Geek Top 5, Season 5. I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> this is so exciting. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And good news, everyone. We're finally doing a Futurama episode. Yeah, only took uh, 140 some odd episodes. And it's interesting to note that, I mean, I wonder how many times Geek Top 5 has been on the air when Futurama has not, and vice versa, because holy cow, is that complicated. Uh, we are talking this week about Matt Groening's Futurama, uh, one of the, one of my favorite cartoons, um, but possibly the, like, how do I phrase this? Like, the one with the largest zombie complex? <laughs> Yeah, it uh, it can't be killed, and uh, if you just look at when it started versus when it ended, you'd think it had probably well, almost as long a lifespan as Family Guy or, or The Simpsons, but uh, they've had a lot of gaps in between where they haven't had episodes. It is a real headache to get into, and uh, as experts I think I may be, uh, this isn't the kind of thing that the GT5 crew could handle alone, so we have brought in some experts Graham, who have we signed up for Planet Express today? Okay, we've got the closest thing to She-Hulk we could find. The uh, lawyer extraordinaire who's a Star Trek fan and, uh, and, and fellow geek, we have Aisha Khan. Hello, everyone. She-Hulk she is the, in that she is also a lawyer. No, I get it. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to... <laughs> I don't know if I made that connection. That connection was very prominent in my head, and I don't th know if it made it to my mouth. It made sense to me, and that's what matters. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we also have Charles Joseph, our, our favorite Mario expert, back. He creates apps. He works in all the cool behind-the-scenes fields of your favorite productions and creates cool games that you can download. Charles Joseph, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. And we also have Mr. Tom Conway, a writer of uh, television and streaming, and, and it's great to have you back as well, Tom. It's been a while. Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, we touched on uh, Futurama the last time. Well, maybe not the last time, but the first time I was on and uh, looked forward to getting you know, down and dirty uh, with talking about uh, this fantastic show. Before we jump into the lists... I do want to just tap into everyone's expertise really quickly because I'm looking at the, we were talking a bit before the show. I'm looking at the data right in front of me and I'm still having trouble making out exactly what has happened with Futurama. Do you think between, I mean, certainly the three of us special guests, but with a little help from us hosting too, we can work out how and when the show aired and in what and what it's doing now? Does anyone think they can handle that breakdown? All I can say is that I know it's been canceled twice in the past, the two actual cancellations, and that right now all we have is Kulu has ordered 20 new episodes, um, and most of the cast uh, is returning to do that, and this is sometime expected in 2023. And yeah, it started on Fox in 1999, I'm pretty sure, right? I believe and yeah. Yeah, and um, it uh, had five seasons on Fox and then was canceled and then came back as DVDs, DVDs uh, when those still existed. Uh, and there was four of those, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and it was Comedy Central. 
and Comedy Central then greenlit it to be uh, a series again. I'm I believe sure. two more seasons they had. Yeah. yeah, yeah, two more seasons, and then was canceled again, or came to an end. Like I think it was like it was a pretty uh, you know successful final episode. Most people would say. Yeah. And this is a 2013 on Comedy Central, right? Yeah. 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 There's a line in the Wikipedia page for that episode that I was looking at. And that line just, I think, sums it up well, which says, due to the recurrently uncertain production status of Futurama, meanwhile, is the fourth episode written to serve as an ending to the series. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Recurrently uncertain. But um, one of the things that really sticks with me about the original run of Futurama is, you know, I remember it premiered pre Y2K, I think there was a lot of kind of new millennium hype and uncertainty. And I think it was really billed as like the next show from the people behind the Simpsons. You love the Simpsons. This is the Simpsons of the future. And I remember just watching it week to week and just being hooked. But then like Fox just kept pushing it around due to like football games running long. And at some point, like it became incredibly difficult in the early 2000s to know when it would air or how to watch it and i think i ended up having to wait until it came out on dvd or maybe even vhs i I don't even remember it was so long ago it was also um like instantly um people were expecting the simpsons and then basically when bender and fry walk into the suicide box (laughs) like (laughs) instantly it was like uh, utter confusion for like parents who were watching with their children of like, what is this show? This show is not the Simpsons. Uh, someone might commit suicide in the pilot episode. And so I think like Fox from the get go had cold feet about what to do with this show. And yeah, they would just move it around. Yeah. To the point that no one even knew what night it was on. So. Yeah. I was just going to say, I don't have a lot of memories of watching Futurama as it aired this was definitely something that I binged before binging was a thing um, on DVD after the fact. Uh, like, you know, as somebody who was raised on The Simpsons, it was something that I was excited to watch, but it was just impossible to find ever. So, yeah, this was I think this is one of those shows where a lot of the fandom comes from people who went and got the DVDs and then binge through them just because you couldn't find it on TV, even if you tried and I think the DVDs were the canonical, kind of the canonical way to watch it back then because that was like peak DVD era, right? Like early right. 2000. Yeah, those DVDs were everywhere. It felt like everyone had those and the Family Guy ones. Uh, I also think the the show benefits from that binge viewing because f- for me anyway, the, the storytelling where we've got the fish out of water fry stuff at the beginning it's I don't find that that entertaining. I, I feel like the show really gets going when they stop having to worry about that, having to explain everything to Fry. And he's just another part of the the crew uh, the, of, of future people. And it, it just gets to be a more interesting story. Well, I, uh, I disagree. <laughs> okay, <laughs> But um, yeah, no, it's 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 strange to. You know, watch it now. It's all on Disney Plus, and uh, to kind of know like these giant gaps in production would occur, and like characterizations uh, of the characters are vastly different from different iterations, and like they they mainly stay the same, but like there's certain aspects of uh, characters that 
you're like, oh, wait, I thought they were, you know, like Fry, for instance, is in the first uh, five seasons, isn't as obsessed with Leela as he becomes. And so it's just, um, you know, small changes like that, that uh, you can really see when watching it on like Disney Plus nowadays. It's hard to, like, it's a hard show to describe like that. I mean, I, I guess in part because it's changed so much, but I just, I feel so reductive calling it The Simpsons in Space because it's so much more. I mean, when it's at its best, it's so smart. There's that, 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 that old, like, thing going around the internet where it's like the writer's room had the most, like, Harvard PhDs in it of any cartoon. Well, wasn't one episode actually somebody's, like, mathematics uh, thesis? Like the Futurama theorem, that's a thing. I think they did approve. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, like all the math in it that is shown is like, and like there's math jokes and stuff like that. It's all legit. Um, uh, David X. Cohen is a mathematician. Uh, he's the co-creator um, with uh, Matt Groening. And uh, so there's like all these weird, super intellectual gags that you really have to have like a PhD to understand while also having the dumbest humor whatsoever, you know, playing uh, right beside it. And I personally, I think like that's what, why it resonates with like sci-fi nerds so well, because it, there's aspects to it where you go, oh, you know what? That's a real mathematical theorem, you know? Yeah, there was a real blend of the profoundly stupid and the, you know, smart meta humor, you know, like you have Bender, a robot chugging beer and burping fire. And, you know, the beer he's drinking is like Fortran liquor named after a programming language. Or I think like the binary code on his, his apartment spelled out like a dollar sign or some other interesting, like winky joke. Um, so I think it, it kind of really, I think straddled both world worlds and uh, and I wouldn't call it the Simpsons in space. I think a better comparison to me would be Arrested Development because I think both shows just have such a strong ensemble cast of characters that are all funny in their own way. And I think it makes for a really interesting top five because my favorite is like changing on a regular basis. It's, it's really hard to pin down. Well, I don't think we're going to get a better segue than that. So <laughs> why don't we get these lists running? Um, Graham, how do you want to organize this? Okay, so we're going back into our, our standard dueling list format. All three of our guests have brought a top five, and we're going to go in alphabetical order through the guests. And with it, we're going to start at number five. If someone says a character at number five that someone else has higher on their list, then we wait until we reach to the the, the higher location on the list. And then we'll discuss it there. Okay, we're going to go alphabetically by first name. So that starts us off with Aisha. What is your number five? Number five on my list is Lur. Is that on anybody else's list? Almost. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Almost. No, but he's been on my mind lately. What with uh, Omicron, <laughs> Percy I ate. <laughs> there you go. So uh, so how does this work out? Do I get to talk about Lur? Yeah, Great. lure it up. All right, so Lur is the ruler of Omicron Percy I-8. Uh, he is not a monster. He is a space alien. Uh, he looks like, uh, how do I describe this? Kind of like a smushed-faced gator, but he has a cape and he has a crown. And he has a wife named Ndenda who looks similar, 
Um, he's supposed to be Bowser, but I feel like he's really more like Space Al Bundy. He's <laughs> just, <laughs> he loves um, 90s TV shows, 90s Earth TV shows. Uh, and I think that's because uh, that's how long light takes to travel to whatever, to Omicron Percy I ate. So they're just now a uh, thousand and thirty years later getting Ally McBeal or rather single female lawyer um, and also <laughs> friends. He does watch friends. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what he's about. He's uh, Al Bundy. He gets uh, angered very easily. Uh, he has a rocky relationship with his wife, who he does love. He does make several overtures throughout the show to try and win her back or make her happy. Um, and uh, he threatens to blow up Earth until he can see the ending of Single Female Lawyer before it was canceled. <laughs> I mean, it's important to note, I mean, like, the thing that makes that character great is because of how hilariously literal he is. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the friends joke, I think. It's it's like, why doesn't Ross, the largest friend, just kill and eat the other friends? Simply eat the <laughs> other ones, right. Yeah. In his delivery, it's really the voice delivery. Uh, I think, it, is it Maurice LaMarche? I think he does a lot of characters. Um, but just the, like, super serious, you know, mean voice. <laughs> Yeah, just very, he's very earnest in his anger uh, and his uh, confusion <laughs> with the uh, Earth concepts. Um, and I think probably I was thinking about my favorite appearances for each of the uh, characters on my list. My favorite appearance for Lur has to be when he's trying to uh, steal Fry's human horn as an aphrodisiac. That entire episode is so quotable and so hilarious because at the end he eats a hippie who's on drugs and then, oh, that hippie's not sitting right is a phrase that I say quite often. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a fantastic episode. All right. But, uh, I mean, like, absolutely hilarious guy, but Charles Tom didn't quite make your lists. No, he almost did. Um, I thought about Lur. Um, and yeah, he's just a hilarious character. Um, like what makes him so funny to me is his pettiness and like his, you know, the fact that he's a couch potato, like he fights with his wife. Like he's like Al Bundy is a pretty good, uh, you know, reference point. But even he's even more you know, schlubby than that, I feel like. Um, but at the same time, can blow up a planet uh, at whim type of thing. So uh, he's he's fantastic. And uh, I'm glad he made the list because I, I wanted to, you know, I wanted him to be in a top five. He just just couldn't make it. All right. Well, should we move on to, to Charles's number five? Sure. I think and I think like Lur didn't even come to mind for me just because there's just so many characters, like dozens and dozens of characters I think could be in contention for the top five. So I think my number five pick is going to be a little controversial because I think it's either a gasp, how could you rank this character so low? Or why is this character in your top five? And <laughs> I'm going with the super obvious choice of uh, Bender bending Rodriguez. Um, at number, kind of like at number five. At number five. So, okay, think, is he on anyone else's list? No, not on mine. He's <gasps> not on mine. So, what? Oh, yeah. oh, I, th I think God. the next four is going to be the death match. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think five is where we we kind of see where 
you know, wh- where we are as uh, Futurama fans. But uh, yeah, he didn't make my list. I like, I think he's great, but in connection with, and as, as a single Bender character. will loudly proclaim his greatness. All right, Charles, give us the rundown. Uh, well, I think the most important fact you should know is that the Futurama wiki uh, says that his height is six foot one with antenna and five seven without antenna. <laughs> I don't know why they have these kind of pedantic <laughs> details. But that kind of tickled me. Uh, you know, I think I think Bender is kind of almost like the mascot of the show. I, I feel like he was the one trotted out in the advertising. Um, he kind of has a Homer Simpson shaped head, uh, but you know, trash talking, loud, obnoxious robot. Um, too many funny bits to cite. Um, but, uh, you know, I was thinking back and just like almost everything he says gets a laugh. And uh, especially like his <laughs> more homicidal tendencies and sort of pseudo hatred for the humans that he also loves. Um, and I think uh, there have been a lot of great plots centered around him, like when he gave up alcohol and then was kind of malfunctioning a bit, uh, seemingly like someone who, like a human uh, consuming alcohol. Uh, you know, the story behind um, his manufacturing defect, which was a bit of one of those heartstring pulling episodes. Um, you know, some episodes that I don't think age well at all, uh, like when he uh, uh, competed in the Olympics as a female robot. Uh, some of those episodes are probably best not really talked about, but uh, you know, overall, he's kind of the comedic core of the show, I think. And just, you know, wild and wacky. I like how he's 40% everything. <laughs> like, Bender, he does have, like, my favorite segment, I would say, from a uh, Futurama episode, the tales of interest when he becomes a human. <laughs> like, that is my favorite, like, bit of... Futurama, um, but like that's kind of outside of uh, you know continuity, if you will. Um, and he he's that's the thing. Like, there's so many characters that I think work because of their relationships with everyone else, and so you know mm. it's going to be really hard to like uh, pick out like the standouts. But uh, no, Bender is a fantastically hilarious character. Um, I like him when he's, you know, uh, unusually emotional, like sad, um, and like relating to a turtle in one episode because they both can roll on their backs and can't get up. Um, and so, and and also like him, um, becoming roommates with Fry is one of the, my favorite episodes of the entire series. So yeah, no, Bender's great. It's just... If Bender doesn't have someone to like yell at, then he's, I don't know. He, he doesn't really, I, I don't think he can hold the candle to certain other characters who can. I think that that storyline um, about his apartment is a great example of, of kind of the, the comedy of, you know, his closet, <laughs> his closet being the big apartment and the twist of that uh, spoilers for a, episode from 1999 but but his relationship with fry and their dynamic um i think that episode really set the tone for that you can't go wrong when like one of your catchphrases is kill all humans like it's (laughs) it's gold or specifically hey baby do you want to kill all humans 
<laughs> right. <laughs> So when I was doing the research for this, uh, the big news, as uh, we talked about off the top, is that uh, John DiMaggio isn't returning as of now to to do the voice of Bender in the new run. Rewatching the show, it's amazing how few cast members there are, because like every other character is either DiMaggio or um, uh, Maurice LaMarche or uh, Billy West. And, and losing DiMaggio, it, it's going to be a huge blow to the 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 rest of the supporting cast, not just Bender. Oh, it's the wrong, it's the wrong decision. If they, they move on without him. Like I, I definitely think that he adds so much and is one of the main draws. Um, And yeah, as you said, like he does so many voices that you're, you're really missing out on so much talent, but you know, uh, TV executives uh, are, are dumb sometimes. So, uh, as displayed by the history of this exact show exactly exactly i thought his statement about it being i'm paraphrasing but it being not about his compensation but just trying to to have the entire cast be you know treated and and as they are worth um i thought was good and i feel like these kind of again i'm i really don't know much about this at all um but i think these kind of disputes happened a few times with the simpsons and there were always rumors like "Uh uh-oh some actor is walking away and I feel like they always resolved it. So um, I guess the optimist in me just hopes it'll all, all be okay and he'll be back on board before they uh, finish the episodes. All right, Tom, why don't you hit us with your number five? Oh, okay. Well, this was uh, before taping. Uh, alert, uh, we kind of uh, touched on it a little bit, but uh, my number five is Slurms McKenzie, <laughs> the uh, original party worm. Uh, from uh, the Futurama episode Fry and the Slurm Factory. And uh, he's voiced by Phil Lamar, uh, who uh, I knew from uh, Mad TV and uh, most recently uh, did a voice in the Boba Fett uh, series. Um, He also gets his head exploded in uh, Pulp Fiction. That's uh, Phil Lamar. Um, But yeah, Slurms McKenzie is... um, is just a classic character. He only has the one episode. <laughs> um, and um, he's basically a parody of Spuds McKenzie, which was a spokes dog for Bud Light in the 1980s. Um, so Slurms McKenzie, he's in a Hawaiian shirt. He parties. He's been partying basically for 40 years straight for the Slurm company who make uh, kind of like a, a soft drink called Slurm, which in the episode of Fry and the Slurm Factory, you discover a horrific uh, revelation about its secret uh, ingredient. Um, and uh, he uh, he kind of has a catchphrase, was his whimmy, wham, wham, woozle. Um, and uh, he has two uh, babes that dance beside him, Dixie and Trixie. And I just, he's just such a lovable character. I, I talking about uh, things that you still reference to this day. Like when I see somebody like a big party animal out at like a, a music festival or, you know, at a party or something like that, like I just instantly call that person Slurms McKenzie um, because it's just, I, I think sums up a certain type of like personality so well. And like the, 
the hilarious aspect of Slurmus McKenzie is he's so desperate to stop partying, but he's yeah, contractually <laughs> he's contractually obligated to party. He cannot stop partying, um, and uh, and he's so so tired. Um, so yeah, Slurmus McKenzie is my top five. That's the key. I was wondering if you were even getting there. Like the what really cements that character is when he takes the sunglasses off <laughs> and he's just so hilariously bloodshot. And he's man, I just want to, I just want to lie down. It's <laughs> <laughs> a deep cut, but a great gag. Is he in just the one episode, really? And he does like sort of small appearances later on. I feel like there's got to be more appearances later on. I, I mean, I'm under that impression because I no. feel like he's been around for longer. No, he dies in that episode. Right. <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> spoiler. Well, when is that ever, you know. <laughs> I know. Uh, no one is ever really dead, um, as we know, um, from Star Wars. And, um, but yeah, no, he uh, he basically parties himself to death uh, to save Leela and Fry and uh, Bender from a giant uh queen uh slug or worm should i say but uh yeah no he's he's just classic he he like some you know flames just you know burn so hot that you know <laughs> right <laughs> that they just can't sustain themselves all right well let's jump back up the list to aisha what's your number four my number four is beelzebut otherwise known as the robot devil Ooh. Ah. Any overlap? No. Wow, two for two. No, okay, I have a new goal now. <laughs> my new goal in this podcast is I don't want any overlap with my list. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give us the robot devil. Okay, the robot devil is your typical trickster god. He is a robot Christian devil. He's red. He's got horns. He's got hooves. Um, he's all about the um, deal making. He's got a golden fiddle. Um, he lives in New Jersey, which is the location of Robot Hell, <laughs> inside an abandoned amusement park, uh, which was formerly known as Reckless Ted's Funland. Um, and uh, I just, what I love about him is just the idea of robotology in general is it's fascinating to me just because robots are sentient in this world. And now there's a whole moral code for them in this religion, except the consequences are real because there is a real robot hell in New Jersey that they can go to <laughs> if they're sinners. And I don't know if the show ever actually tells us if the robotology was created by robots or if it was created by people. And I don't think we ever find that out. So just there's a whole lore about this religion is why I love uh, Robot Double. He's he's fantastic, and he's extremely charismatic. I I was not expecting a like you know a, like a bungee style lore dive to be the reason behind <laughs> that pick. I mean, it's also that he has a great voice actor and a great gimmick. Like it's always the deal that goes awry. the The fiddle contest right out of Char the Charlie Daniels band. Yep, some good songs. The Georgia stuff. Yeah, and yeah, that was one of the earliest musical episodes, right? That's mm -hmm. right. Um, and that my favorite appearance uh, for him is when he gives Fry his hand so he can play the holophone for Leela. So just deal making and deals going wrong is, is you know, he's, he's, he's this classic Christian trickster god Satan. 
And it's just, I love that he's been made real, but only for robots in this world for some reason. <laughs> so Great episode. And I yeah, think that was the by... first series finale. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 it was. And he's voiced by Dan Castanella. Who oh, yeah, the voice of uh, Homer, Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson. A million other characters, but he's so good as the robot devil. Yeah, he that's a character that's clearly having a lot of fun on screen. Um, and that's always like that's always fun to watch. Um, he also thinks that uh, Bender, our previous entry on our list, uh, is the most evil robot there is, <laughs> like more than himself. Um, so yeah, no, robot devil. That's I'm, I'm surprised that's not on anybody else's list. He's such a blast. All right, Charles, what's your number four? All right, my number four, I think we might finally get some overlap, but let's see. Uh, Zap Brannigan. Uh, uh, higher yeah. on my list. Higher, yeah, higher on, on my list. list. Okay, <laughs> okay. Finally. Right, okay, we'll be talking uh, more about Zap Brannigan later. Our common ground. <laughs> All right, Tom, what's your number four? So my number four is and again we'll probably have uh overlap here is dr john a zoidberg <laughs> oh yeah he's on my list okay <laughs> higher? Right. so yeah obviously higher i guess so we okay i love it not on my yeah. list <laughs> not on your list who's on your list if you have scruffy on your list Scruffy <laughs> was a very close six on my list. <laughs> like I like Scruffy, but not top five. <laughs> okay, then we're back around to Aisha. What's your number three? Okay, my number three is Nibbler. Ooh, oh, Nibbler's on nobody bad. else's list. No, there's too many characters. characters. No. Okay, so Nibbler is. I mean, basically, he's like a space French bulldog who can talk and is 3,000 years old. Uh, he's, Sickly. Lord- <laughs> he's, uh, uh, he's Lord Nibbler, um, and he has uh, existed since the beginning of time. Um, and the reason why I really, why he's so high up on my list, the reason why I love this character is the first time we really learn about who he is and his significance to the um, the plot of the show uh, is in the episode with the brain spawn. And that's where the show sets up that he is the person who makes the prank call that, you know, pushes and is actually the one who physically pushes Fry into the cryogenic freezer to make sure that Fry is alive at the right time to save earth from the giant brains, um, which is a hysterical episode in general, but, the thing is, you can see his shadow when Fry falls in episode one. Uh, and it's just a testament to the amount of just care that went into the writing of the show and the pre-planning that went into all of this. is That's wonderful to me. And that's something that's really gratifying uh, to see uh, as a fan of a show. Um, to see that you're, there's, there's a lot of uh, intention uh, in every little thing that happens on a show. Uh, so Nibbler is... is what care was what symbolizes that to be about Futurama is just the thought that the forethought that goes into all of these plots, and also he's adorable because he's a French bulldog who can talk, um, and he wears a diaper and he wears a cape, <laughs> and with that super deep booming voice too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> great voice. But yeah, important to note how literal that bulldog is. Like when we're introduced to this character, we think he's a space pet, right? 
And like, he like is, that's an important. He is Leela's space pet. He's Leela's little dog. <laughs> For quite a few episodes, right? Until they reveal his uh, true identity. Yeah, no, he they they hold that card to their chest for a while uh, before they make that revelation about him uh, having that booming oratory voice. One of the things about his voice, it's Frank Welker is his voice actor, his only voice actor. He does the high pitched animal noises and his deep booming speaking voice. And Frank <laughs> Welker is a legendary voice actor. He has like more credits on IMDb than anyone else. He's being the voice of fred on the scooby-doo since it started and continues to this day he is amazing and it's so great that they had him for this tiny tiny at least at first tiny part right and again i already mentioned the episode my favorite appearance is the is the brain spawn episode uh the phrase the big brain m winning again again something i say quite a lot (laughs) 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 and that's a nibbler episode i have to say while we're on that topic um you know the, the the scene you mentioned from the pilot, where you know Nibbler was actually the one to push him in. I I'm I'm a sucker for time travel stories on uh, in general, but I just am constantly amused by how often Futurama has revisited and revised that initial story of Fry falling into the cryogenic tube. I don't even <laughs> how many episodes have they shown that in? I think like the whole segment where he picks up the pizza and walks to it is like burned into my brain. But the consistent parts are the prank call from Icy Wiener uh, and being pushed, uh, the chair falling into the cryogenic freezer. And both of those things are because of Nibbler. And he's like, you know, his the, the cuteness of his race, I think, is definitely uh, where a lot of the mileage of uh, his humor comes from. And uh, like, he's just so adorable. And, you know, it's so hard to take him serious, despite his his deep, deep um baritone voice but uh yeah no he's a classic character oh i have to say i i was watching um an episode with nibbler this week and it was the one with all the cats and right. there's a moment where <laughs> i think leela's talking about him dressing up in his little sailor suit he's like my best friend died in that uniform <laughs> 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 it's just such a contrast <laughs> And that, you know, I should have just said he also poops fuel, which is convenient as a oh, yes. as a pet owner. <laughs> if only, right? If only. Okay, well, let's move on to Charles's number three. Okay, uh, my number three, I think we might get some more overlap, is uh, Taranga Leela. Um, I think another one of those kind of, uh, not prototypical, but one of those main characters from the initial ads and pitch of the show. Okay, well, is is Leela on anyone else's list? Nope. No. Whoa. All right, well, Charles, okay. carry on then. Um, well, I, I'd say for Leela, I think she's not the funniest character on the show, but she has a lot of really funny moments. And I think her she's at the core of a lot of the most heartfelt stories on the show and um, is really like such a huge part of the story. And her dynamic with Fry and Nibbler and the entire crew is just very enjoyable. And there's just a lot of like really well done details of her character. Um, like that, you know, in the first what if episode, the anthology of interest where <laughs> Farnsworth has invented the thing longer <laughs> to uh, poke buttons from far away with his finger. Um, I love that the little detail of Leela's what if is like, what if she just decided to buy new boots? 
And <laughs> I thought that was just a classic <laughs> Futurama story of the way that spiraled. Um, and I thought, uh, again, spoilers for, you know, uh, oh God, over 20 year old <laughs> storyline, but, but the misdirect of her seeming to be an alien, but actually being a mutant was, uh, really well done. And all those storylines uh, about her upbringing are just uh, great. And just where, what's the place that she grew up in? The Orpha, the minimum orphanarium. security <laughs> orphanarium. That's it. Like that's, that. it. that's it. <laughs> Cookieville. <laughs> Yeah, it's if the show has a straight man, it's probably Leela, and I'm guessing that's why it's it's not showing up on the other two lists. Like, yeah, no, like Leela, Leela is sadly, but a needed foil to yeah. like uh, Fry and Bender. Right, they get to have all the fun, and when she tries to have fun, it just totally backfires and blows up into her face and possibly endangers people's lives. Um, so, you know, she's just like, again, she like Bender is, you know, in reference to so many things, but I, I, I think she's like, she's an understated character. Like it's too bad. Uh, like that she doesn't have more laughs, but uh, the, the show kind of works because everybody is in some way a linchpin. So like if you take Leela out, the show is not as good, but as a character standalone, she's just not for me. Like I'm just coming at it almost on, on laughs uh, primarily, but uh, like Leela is really great. They, what I didn't like with what they did was make her kind of the sole, um, you know, love interest of Fry. And I think that kind of dampened some of the story possibilities while also creating some of the greatest episodes of television. So I, I really shouldn't, you know, harp on it too much, but I just, I, I liked when she was trying to find herself and go on dates and be like, when she's totally awkward, she's hilarious, you know? Um, but yeah, she's great. The, the counterpoint I'll say is that I think because she is the straight man and she is like the competent character in the crew, the mm -hmm. one who takes things seriously and gets things done and, you know, saves all the others. Uh, when the odd occasion where she does do something silly or frivolous, it kind of hits a bit harder because it's just so out of character. And I actually think it works really well. Do you think she's an early example of, uh, I think it's called the Trinity syndrome of like the hyper competent female character who's kind of dry. I wouldn't say that because she makes mistakes. Like she's mm. like I would say like they they lean heavy on that, but she's also uh someone who is a control freak, right? And has problems letting go and that leads to her trying to fly the ship even though uh her one eye uh, has been, you know, injured and she's blindfolded. So she still tries to do stuff like that. Um, she tries to, um, one up, um, people all the time. And that is like, um, leads her to have these like giant, you know, uh, mistakes that just embarrass her in front of everyone. So I, I definitely don't see her as like, you know, one of those angel type of characters where they can do no wrong. Uh, but she like, she can kick ass and, um, you know, uh, is definitely the only one that I would trust with flying that ship. 
I quite like actually that the show tried um, or really succeeded in giving her an arc with her finding out where she's from. Um, everything about being a mutant and not being a space alien who's the last of her kind and helping her find her family and giving her that sort of that purpose again. Um, and just really rounding out that character that way. I, th I think that was all really lovely. I, I really enjoyed that about the character. And then her whole arc with Fry, especially in the later iterations of the show um, and how it, uh, how it ends, um, I think all that stuff is quite lovely too. But she is an ensemble character. She's only as good as the character that she is playing off of, I think. Um, so that does that is a dock against her, but uh, but I, but I completely agree that if you take her out of the equation, uh, the show doesn't work. Yeah, and the character I would most I compare the most to would be uh, Michael Bluth from Arrested Development because he is yeah. not the funniest character. He is not the one with the most memorable lines, but he's the one who. Keeps them all together is the line from the intro. Like she is like a critical character, and I think is at, at the core of the best storylines of the show. Okay, let's move on. Tom, what is your number three? Okay, so uh, with some of the left field characters so far, I wonder if this will make anyone's list. Um, my number three is Philip J. Fry. <laughs> Yeah, a rare what an odd choice. Yes. The, the lead character of the series. Not and the star of many memes. He is on my list. Oh, oh he is. Okay. Uh, low, oh. I, I guess higher, should I say? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Running out of space, going to bump into all these guys soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Aisha, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is Zap Radigan. Oh, okay. Is that higher on somebody's list? I think it might be. Mine was Tom. lower. That was my number four that we skipped over. He's he's my number two. Yes, he's my number two. Did you, okay. Did you do this mid podcast? Did you just change your mind? <laughs> no, it's, no, 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 no. I was just looking at my list and I was like, I thought I, 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 my number one and number two switched numerous times. Right. <laughs> so, so we all want to talk about Zap Brannigan uh, because he's uh, easily the most quotable character on the show, in my opinion. He has the mm -hmm. funniest lines in every episode that he's in, I think. <laughs> um, he's and the delivery, a, too. Oh, my God, the delivery is fantastic. Um, he's a 25-star general in the Democratic Order of Planets, otherwise known as Dupe. Um, he does not wear pants, but he wears a girdle and is otherwise velour-clad. Um, <laughs> he is more Shatner than Kirk, although he's supposed to be kind of both, I guess. <laughs> Um, and he's just a sexist moron who's failed upwards, uh, and all of his subordinates hate him, but he's hysterically funny. <laughs> so that's that predicate for you. That's a perfect <laughs> he was He was also originally supposed to be voiced by Phil Hartman. Yes, uh, yes. But sadly, you know, there's his uh, untimely, tragic uh, death. But uh, yeah, and then Billy West really wasn't sure how to, you know, take over the voice and uh, and was afraid of doing an impersonation and i you there's definitely some similarities but i i do think billy west made it his own like it's a very uh singular character that obviously has resonated with all of us um and yeah his quotes uh i have one right here uh, that uh, stuck out to me. The way to a woman's bed is through her parents. Have sex with them, 
and you're in. Um, so yeah, uh, he is, uh, he is just so hilarious and, um, the opposite of a, a hero in any respect. <laughs> and, yes, his extreme and, uh, cowardice. <laughs> yes. Like, and, and as much as he is, you know, a sexist womanizing individual, he's also so pathetic. And the only way that he actually ended up sleeping with Leela was crying his eyes out uh, as opposed to being a, you know, a, a disgusting lurch or something like that, which he typically is all the time. So uh, he just, he can vary in being over and insanely confident and hating people for no reason, like the neutrals, which he, he despises like nobody else. Um, and oh, so many uh, because you can't, in that episode. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you don't know where they, uh, where they sit or what they believe in those neutrals. Um, and then can just, you know, cry and become like a puddle of a man in, in the next scene. So yeah, Zap Brannigan is just, is classic in so many ways. Classic, but also, and, and sort of, I would say he's sort of an indictment of the hero spaceman character because everybody else around him being a more, you know, real down to earth character is much more competent than he is. He is a liability to everybody around him. <laughs> and his dynamic with Kiff and Leela and <laughs> Richard Nixon's head, it's, it's just so entertaining. Okay, awesome. Well, let's continue with Charles. What's your number two? Okay, well, my number two is Philip J. Fry. Um, uh, yes. Was he just on your list, Tom? Aisha, you didn't have him on your list. Yeah, no, he was. List. He, yeah, he was my number three. He was my number three. Yeah, so Fry, <laughs> Fry was kind of neck and neck for one or two. I kept going back and forth, but. I mean, he's, I mean, really, I think Billy West is kind of the MVP of this show. Um, not just for the quantity of characters, but the quality, like the number of central characters that he plays and the completely different performances is just such a feat. Um, and Fry, Fry manages to be both one of the funniest characters on the show, one of the more relatable characters as our kind of like entry into the futuristic world, and also like the center of so many of the best and most heartfelt stories, in my opinion. I mean, uh, you know, just uh, thinking about certain ones, uh, you know, starts the the tears are coming. So, you know, episodes like Jurassic Bark with his dog and the luck of the Fryrish, um, the story about his his lucky clover and his his growing up with his brother. Like, oh, there's just so many good ones. And uh, you know, his dynamic with Leela in the the many many series finales. Um, uh, the meme ability, <laughs> shut up and take my money. Like uh, I could go on and on and on. Yeah, no, like Fry for me, he he was number three because um, like him in those early seasons personally, and it's, you know, probably who I am as a, you know, uh, TV watching North American <laughs> and um, – that being so so much of my identity, um, I just could relate to him so much. Um, and, uh, his, you know, um, 
like in those early seasons, he's not like obs- obsessed with Leela. He like dates Amy and um, like he's just able to do so much and the, and the future to him is so miraculous. Um, and he's able to, you know, have a hilarious episode where he like relates to a guy who was frozen from the eighties. Eighties guy. One of my favorite eighties <laughs> guy is, uh, one of my favorite episodes. And he's just like, like, like I think a line and, but it's from one of the uh, tales of interest uh, episode, but like, to me, this is why I love Fry so much. And uh, he's talking about, uh, he's about to fight the, some uh, alien invaders. Um, and uh, it's like a video game. And he's like, it's Saturday night. I have no date, a two liter <laughs> bottle of Shasta and my all rush mixtape. Let's rock. And like, to me, that is just perfection. I just, I just love that so much. I, I personally can relate to it <laughs> on a very high level. Um, and, uh, and, and that's why I like Fry. Like when he becomes a, um, a billionaire um, or is it, a, I think he's, he's a multimillionaire because he had a couple of pennies still in his bank account. And, um, uh, they have, the interest has made him like ultra rich and all he does with his money is, uh, spend it on stuff from, uh, like the year 1999 and watching old TV shows and sitting alone in his apartment, um, with his can of sardines. It's just, I don't know. He's just so lovable in my opinion. Um, and, uh, definitely, a standout character. Nice. He is great. And he's uh, in the, the Billy West performance. Uh, one of the things I remember reading was from him was like, uh, if you want to make sure you're not replaced on a show with another voice actor, make the, the voice, the, the main character voice as close to your own as possible. Cause that's harder to imitate than a voice you put on. And so that Fry voice is, is pretty close to just being Billy West and, and uh, he, but he makes it so dynamic. He does so much with it. It's great. I think it's easy, easy to say that Fry is, Fry is definitely the heart of the show. He's definitely um, the person that's carrying the, doing all the emotional labor (laughs) of the show, especially in terms of how he relates to the other characters and just how, you know, he adjusts to being in the future and still being a delivery boy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I think he has the most, like probably the largest number of interesting relationships on the show. Like his dynamic with Leela, with Bender, with the professor, uh, with like the, his entire backstory, uh, both in flashbacks and in how it, you know, ties into the present day. Um, yeah, just so, so much there. Okay. Well, so we've already got Tom's number two with uh, Zap Brannigan. So we're going to go back up to Aisha for the home stretch here. What is your number one? Okay. My number one is mom. Nobody else's list. (laughs) Okay. So I I think I did pretty good. I think the only overlap I had was Zap. All right. That's pretty close. Um, All right. So who's mom? Mom is Carol Miller. That's her actual name. Uh, She is the CEO of MomCorp. MomCorp 
includes um, several, several smaller companies, including Mom's Friendly Robot Company, Robot Oil Delivery Company, Dark Matter, iPhones, and but I spelled E-Y-E phones, and Mom's Old Fashioned Video Surveillance Company. So that is <laughs> the very uh, evil sounding conglomerate. <laughs> she is the CEO of that. Um, she also holds the trademarks for the words mom, love, and screen door, which I think is uh, uh, probably very good for her marketing. <laughs> but her marketing, her public image is that she's this sweet matronly old lady uh, in a fat suit and like this uh, big green dress. Uh, but underneath that, she rips this fat suit off and she's like this skinny uh, in a cat suit, a <laughs> lady who is a sociopathic corporate overlord who hates her idiot sons. <laughs> and it's just the if 180 from her public image. Um, and I just think that she is the best antagonist on the show. Um, she has the most connection with Planet Express and wanting to destroy them. Uh, one, she wants to destroy them because she'll then have a monopoly on delivery services. Um, but Planet, Planet Express keeps taking like suicide missions and they keep undercutting her. <laughs> That's why she can't put them out of business. <laughs> um, but she has this history with Professor Farnsworth, too, is that uh, he used to work for her. Uh, he made a toy uh, called uh, QT McWhiskers. Uh, and she wanted it to be a weapon of war, but uh, he didn't want to do that. Uh, so that's when they broke up. And he also may have, I don't know if this is confirmed, actually. He may have fathered her youngest son, Igner. I think so. Um, and I think yeah, he, no, I, I don't think it's confirmed, but it's highly insinuated. Yeah. Um, and I just love her because, you know, she's a powerful older woman who can't be her true self in public because people would lose their minds even in the year 3000. Um, but despite that, despite having to be, you know, yeah, a girl boss in like a male dominated space, it doesn't preclude her from being a horrible person at the same time. Like she's still like absolutely evil corporate overlord. I was trying to create monopolies over all of these different industries and all of her robots come with a chip that she can turn on so they can all, you know, um, follow her orders if she wants that. <laughs> so very, very evil, but existing at the same time of being an older woman with all this, you know, societal baggage that comes with that. I think it's a really complicated, uh, complex um, antagonist for the show. Uh, and she's also hysterically funny. No, yeah. Mom is uh, is a great character. Like, uh, my, I thought about her for my list, to be honest. And it was just more that I, I think she's, like, almost underutilized. Like, she... You know, especially in the first season and a little bit afterwards is around, but she and they use her for, you know, deepening uh, the history of other characters. But she's just um, kind of off into her own world uh, a lot of the times, um, which I think kind of unlike Zap Brannigan, who's able to really be part of the Planet Express team literally um mom is just a little too separate so um kind of uh diminish her story potential but uh definitely a, a fantastic character yeah i guess her main interactions are with bender and uh, farnsworth but 
No, she's she's definitely a great villain, and just like the the contrast between her public image and her real image is is pretty entertaining. It's very funny, and a lot of people um, sort of write off the character, thinking that oh, you know, this is just the Futurama version of Mr. Burns. And I just disagree with that. She's so much more interesting and fun <laughs> than Mr. Burns, <laughs> who's kind of one note, and uh, she's got a lot more depth to her than that. Oh. Okay, well, why don't we go to Charles's number one? Okay, my number one is John A. Zoidberg, MD. I think he is a medical doctor. <laughs> he, he's an uh, in, he's an internal medical doctor, I believe. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he was lower on your list, right, Tom? And not on your yes. List. He was he's number four on my list. Mm. So he's just. He's just got to be my number one because he's just so funny. He is, in my opinion, by far the funniest character on the show. Um, the his like uh, constant failures and you know his hooray for Zoidbergs, his his scuttling and you know Three Stooges noises or whatever those are. He he his constant uh, misunderstanding of human anatomy. Uh, his obsession with food. Um, you know, he has so many great lines, like the, what is it? The, I'd like to buy one art, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> your show is bad and you should feel bad. Like he's just, oh, just so great. Can't get enough of him. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, he definitely, he had to make my list just because there's just, he's such a generation of so many laughs of the show. Um, and such an odd character, but uh, I'm pretty sure that his uh, inspiration is uh, basically uh, Dr. Uh, Bo- Bones McCoy uh, from <laughs> the original Star Trek and how he was always, um, you know, operating or dealing with alien species and as a human doctor. And it was kind of like the reverse of that. That was like the, the germ of the idea. Uh, is what I, I believe I heard uh, David X. Cohen once say. And um, yeah, no, like, and he's so bad at his job. Um, and talk about lines, like uh, I got a line from him where he's talking to Fry, where he's like, now Fry, it's been a few years since medical school. So remind me, disemboweling in your species, fatal or non-fatal? <laughs> uh, and so he really has no concept of, you know, even how to keep anyone alive. And um, the, it, it, how characters kind of changed over time, um, definitely as the seasons went on, him being basically a homeless, penniless uh, <laughs> bum became a, a bigger aspect of his character and that he, he lives in the dumpster uh, outside of Planet Express uh, was uh, quite, you know, an interesting addition to his character. Um, and he was just a little lower on my list because he, as a character, he's uh, like two-dimensional like Zap Brannigan, but they tried a couple times to make him more, uh, you know, fully formed of a character. And in my opinion, never really worked. Like he, he really is just there to be a ridiculous doctor who's harming people instead of actually <laughs> helping them. And, uh, but, but yeah, he's just, he's such a clutch character. 
just even every little detail you're describing just makes me chuckle because he's i think he's like probably the hardest to describe like he's the most unique character like he's like an incompetent doctor who also wants to be a comedian who also is like uh, a bizarre send-up of like jewish culture and like a lot of his like extended family have like Yiddish accents and mannerisms, and I'm glad you said uh, that. I, was, I wasn't sure if it was touchy so or not, <laughs> but it's absolutely it's, Jewish. It's 100% intentional. Everybody's talking um, like this, maybe. <laughs> and uh, oh yeah, you know, uh, I, I love. There was a bit in one of the episodes I watched this week where um, they were flashing back and having his his mother doing the uh, very stereotypical like, "Oh, you don't want to be a doctor" thing, and. And then when he decides to give up his dream of being a comedian and go to medical school, she's like, so you're giving up on your dream? Like, it's just, <laughs> it's so good. Uh, his species, their their battle to the death, the, the ritual is called Kreplach. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Delicious. There's, there's a lot in there. And I, I mean, that's definitely why the character appeals to me, because he takes that Jewish comedy, the best of it. It combines it with all that other stuff you're talking about, Tom. It, uh, I, I don't want to link the two. Like, like it, It's just the way he's able to present himself that way makes him sort of like an affable old Jewish man, but also this horrible, incompetent space monster. <laughs> it's a hilarious no, it's combo. The, it's, it's the mashup of it all. Like, none of it is connected on any level. It's just... Uh, it works because everything is inherently funny, you know, um, and, and um, yeah, he's just like so many characters, like it, without him, the show would be um, not as good, not as funny, and definitely not as interesting because he always has the left field comment that uh, makes everything just come together, so... Yeah, a lot of punchlines and and a lot of opportunities for other characters to vent their rage and frustration and just terrible <laughs> terribleness on him. <laughs> okay, take us home, uh, Tom. What's your number one? Okay, and I, I'm surprised that no one else had it. Uh, my number one is Herbert J. Farnsworth. Nice. nice. Yes. Very worthy choice. Uh, Yes, the professor. Um, he is Fry's great, 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 great nephew. Um, and uh, he's voiced by Billy West. And this is just a factoid for the radio and television nerds out there. Um, and uh, he's, uh, his character's name is inspired by real-life inventor Philo Farnsworth, who invented the cathode ray tube uh television so um uh, that was a deep cut on his name um he's just like uh, we were talking uh, a little bit about you know the professor uh, the mr burns of uh futurama and i very much look at um uh, Professor Farnsworth as the Mr. Burns of Futurama. And I definitely don't see that as a knock. Um, I think he's just one of those characters that whenever he's on screen, he's hilarious in a completely unique way. And it doesn't matter who he's talking to. It, he is able to be hysterical. Um, 
He's living in his own world. He's sending off these delivery cru- uh, crews to their death multiple times. He he seems to care little about uh, human life uh, and just wants to invent death rays. Um, and uh, and he's also surprisingly uh, a fully formed character. He has a relationship with mom. Um, he's, uh, deeply connected with Fry as his great nephew. Got that rivalry um, with Wernstrom. 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 Oh, I didn't even <laughs> think about Wernstrom. I love that. Yeah. He's for, uh, battling over who's the greatest scientist. Uh, he has a, a clone, uh, heir, um, Qbert and, uh, and he's just, in my opinion, just uh, really uh, epitomizes what Futurama is all about. You know, he is the scientific crazy inventions that are uh, absurd and meaningless. Like the thing longer is one of my favorite jokes. That whole episode of the anthology stories all leading to the reveal that He's watching um, a machine that is showing him what the world would be like if he actually invented the thing longer. <laughs> and it's just so ridiculous. And so, yeah, he's definitely my number one. It was a big toss up between him and Zap, but I just, I think he's just a f- more fully formed character. And that's why he, he topped out my number one. That's awesome. I, I think he would definitely have uh, ranked on my list too if I if I had uh, thrown one together. So I'm I'm with you on that. But not on I the mean, other in two. Hindsight, in hindsight, I probably should have put him on my list. I probably should have bumped Zap Brannigan off and and put uh, and put the professor on. But uh, uh, it, I feel like um, I feel like if you ask me any day of the week, and it's going to be a different list. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. It it definitely sounds like the problem we're having is just that there are too many characters to to organize a top five. Like there are a lot of really successful people on the show. Oh yeah, and then you know there was um, the issue that I was having putting the list together is is one looking at the main ensemble cast and being like, okay, well we could just pick five of these people because they're so amazing together. But I tried to stay away from that main cast just because I know that they're each of them is a key ingredient to that general chemistry of the show. Um, but I also tried to stay away from the heads because <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> except for Richard well, Nixon, Nixon, I feel on. like is cheating. Nixon, yeah, Nixon definitely. If there was a top ten, the head of Richard Nixon would definitely be for in sure. It. Oh god, so good. But yeah, and I think the other key thing is each character is funny in their own unique way, and it makes it really hard to compare them head to head. No pun intended. I think it's worth noting that uh, four out of Tom's five are voiced by Billy West. Yeah, no, <laughs> Billy West is definitely uh, an MVP in the way I was breaking it down, and uh, and they're also vastly different in their voices um very much like um like many of the simpson voices where you when you learn after the fact oh that's one person doing all those voices um that uh, yeah billy west is just hilarious uh in so many different uh personalities 
Okay, before we finish up, I did some quick math and calculations while I was doing this, and I assigned points to all the characters that ended up on the list, and I think our collective top five is, uh, from from bottom to top, number five is Mom, uh, number four is Farnsworth, number three is five, Fry, number two is Zoidberg, and number one is Zap Brannigan. (laughs) Shitmate. I think it's a solid list. Pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> what's the whole it's like if we can hit that bullseye the rest of the dominoes will fall like a house of cards checkmate <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is another thing I say quite often <laughs> I hope in court yes <laughs> it's an excellent closing argument I really hope you introduce yourself as just a humble hyper chicken. Whatever that's that's another character. Hyper chicken would be on my top 10 for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, little girl. I thought you was corn. (laughs) Well, maybe for an extended edition of the show sometime. Uh, For now, we should probably wrap it up. So, folks, thanks for joining us. Um, Before we get into the ending spiel, is there anything anyone wanted to pitch? Uh, I Just don't get arrested, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) If you got a kid, watch uh, Odd Squad Mobile Unit. I wrote for that. uh, New uh, series on uh, Wild Brain in Canada called uh, Ruby in the Well. Uh, I wrote on and uh, there's another project that's coming out that uh, can't really talk about yet, but uh, yeah, no, my advice is just watch more television people. You're not watching (laughs) enough. (laughs) Good advice. Um, Yeah. I guess my pitch would be, uh, you know, uh, among my different projects, uh, my kind of labor of love on the side is a music app for the iPhone called picky. Uh, If you're one of the, uh, holdovers of the past who still uh, manages their own collection of music you can use my app to uh, browse it so yeah and all second watching tv it's great it's fits into my schedule so much more so than movies fair all right thanks again for joining us folks really appreciate it while we are giving out thanks, I would also like to extend our thanks to Oliver Wickham, the guy behind our theme song. Uh, he's a music producer. He's got a ton of cool stuff on Spotify. Do yourself a favor and check it out. He is great. You won't regret it. And finally, we always want to say thanks to you, the folks at home, the folks who are active in the community, uh, the folks who just listen to us to make their morning drive a little bit less arduous. Um, it is a blast getting the opportunity to do this for you. And even more, when it's a blast when you bring it back to us and let us know what you think. If you had any questions, comments, concerns, either for us about the show or for our guests, we would love to further those conversations with you. Graham, how are they able to get all that to us? Please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash geektop5. We're on Twitter at geektop5 and on our website, geektop5.com. You can leave comments under every single episode and we check those regularly. Please also go to your podcatcher of choice and give us a nice rating and review. And uh, we would love to see that. Thank you. Those ratings and reviews, super helpful, by the way, not just because we like people telling us we're great, uh, but also it gives us the metrics to know where the podcast is being listened to, how it's being listened to, etc., to help us make this experience better for you. Um, Futurama 
Uh, it's got ten seasons now available on Disney Plus. I, I don't actually know if that includes the uh, the, the feature lengths, the, the movies, but even if it doesn't, that is more than enough to keep you busy until we get a chance to do this again. Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5, and we'll talk to you again next week. Um, anything I needed clarifying? Uh, we're trying to keep the language PG, yes? Eh. The joke's PG. Because, <laughs> you know, if we're making references to the show, and, you know, if I want to talk about Zap Brannigan, it might get a little bit blue. I just want to make sure that, uh... Put it this way, I, I have no problem talking about the time that Zap Brannigan nailed Leela. Okay. I might shy away from, like, I wonder what Zap Brannigan's looks like fair enough got it understood <laughs> all right well <laughs> goodbye for the next um, yeah. <laughs> uh, i guess you could always just insert the uh, ample use of the hypnotoad sound effect if you need to bleep things <laughs> that's that's not a bad idea actually